0: About time for true crime. Thank you guys for joining us today. It is a hot one here in New England. Oh my gosh, I'm so sweaty. I am. The swass is real. The swass is real, and so is the all I the know. The booby sweat. It ain't good. All I know is my thighs are stuck to this chair, so I'm no longer going to move anymore.
1: And all I know is when I get home and take off my bra. Uh, Emily's gonna be like I didn't know you went swimming (laughs) I didn't
0: It is just one of those uncharacteristically Muggy Humid my curly hair is like past My shoulders I yeah it's Just out there one of those Days but we're Excited to be here yes we're still All smiles pumped definitely Gonna have ice cream after but that's beside the point Oh hell yes except you can't Because someone's dairy free (laughs) My life sucks Sorry. It's not good Sorry No bread No ice cream And yet I still eat a lot of bread And
1: ice cream so. And cheese Oh my god I love too,
0: cheese Too much cheese oh,
1: Lactaid I hope you sponsor us One day Oh my <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: relatable People will get that Lactaid Yeah But some of us Don't mm. My can- tummy feels fine When I
1: eat dairy From a cow <laughs> <laughs> It's hot, you guys.
0: It's getting to my head. It definitely is. It's making us crazy.
1: But I already did my case for this week, so.
0: True. So you guys are stuck with me for this one. So today, we're actually going back to the 80s again. I don't know what it is with me and crimes taking place in the 80s, but I'm on a streak here, so I'm rolling with it. And we are going to talk about the murder of Angela Simota. So Angela was born... In September 1964 in Pennsylvania.
1: Can I just really quick? Yeah. You said Angela samoda and all I want right now is a Samoa from Girl Scout cookies or like a frozen thin mint.
0: You are in the wrong season, my friend. <sighs> I know. Frozen
1: thin mint. Okay,
0: continue. That's probably the only positive thing that we're going to talk about on this, so thank you for doing that. You got it. Because we're- From your
1: local Girl Scout. Mm-hmm.
0: We are diving into a pretty horrific case here. But before I was rudely interrupted, <laughs> I was saying that Angela Samoto was born in September 1964. She grew up in Pennsylvania, but she was known by friends and family as Angie, so that's what I'm going to call her. And if you look her up, and we're going to post a picture of her on Instagram- she is beautiful, stunningly beautiful. She truly had like one of those smiles that lit up a room. Like if you look at her, she just, she just looks friendly. She looks kind.
1: I love that.
0: And that's actually how she was described. So she had, you know, brown hair. I it, I don't know if it was curly, but it definitely had some body in it. Although I think most of the photos of her were like styled for like a school photo or something like that. Gotcha. Um, She had lighter eyes, but seriously gorgeous perfect skin perfect everything so we're gonna jump a little bit forward to 1984 so this put angie at 20 years old and she was a student at southern methodist university in dallas texas and she was going to school for computer science and electrical engineering okay smarty alert which in the 1980s to be a woman first of all in school at all but also in a absolutely male dominated field she was kind of trailblazing this she was she's a badass bitch well and i just looked her up a stunning like
1: absolutely stunning i love the, i love the floof but also i know that perms were real in style so this isn't like a full perm but definitely has the volume and she looks funny i looked her up and there's like photos of her
0: Kind of goofing off at
1: school and not in a crass or rude way, just being like a cute little goofball.
0: She was being exactly what we all were when we were 20. As she should. She was still a kid. She was. And she took school so seriously. She was very social. She had a lot of friends, but she didn't let any of that sort of interfere with her schoolwork. She was very good in school. She had very good grades. At a girl and she again had lots of friends and the people around her described her as friendly she was social she was kind she was the kind of person that would talk to anybody and when she was in her first couple years of school um, at this college she met her former roommate Sheila Wisaki and Sheila described her as just the kind of person that was friends with everyone she Kind of looks and sounds like the kind of girl you want to be friends with. Like you know someone like Angie, or maybe you are someone like Angie, but she's just she just looks genuine. Psst. You're someone
1: like Angie.
0: Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Duh. I don't know if I'm tearing up or if I'm just sweating a lot. Why not both? <laughs> Probably a good combo. Anyway, so Angie also had a boyfriend. Her boyfriend's name was Ben McCall. He was a couple years older. He was 23. And uh, at that time, he was already working full time. From what I've gathered, I don't think that like they went to school together. I'm not really sure how they met. But if I remember correctly, I don't think that he had like gone to school there or anything. I think he just lived in the area.
1: I think I know how they met. And he said, I've been calling you. Can you answer?
0: Will there ever be an episode without a dad joke? Guess we'll find out. Oh, my. Okay. So I don't think that's how it happened. But it would work uh, on me. (laughs) my goodness so he was a construction worker so he had you know his own schedule he again he worked full-time so very different than those of us who were in school who I mean that you're just on your own time zone when you're in school and at this time Angie was in her junior year so she didn't live on campus anymore and I think she was sort of getting over the whole like living on campus thing which I know my junior year I was over that too I did not live on campus and you kind of want to get away from the dorms and the CAs and the RAs and the rules that come with that and you think you're going somewhere quieter but in reality your neighbors are louder it's just like with no rules yeah so that's exactly what happened to me but anyway um so Angie was renting a condo on her own so she lived alone she had a little place to herself she didn't have any roommates um, and it was a little ways away. It was it wasn't that far. I mean, she could still get to all her classes, but she wasn't necessarily on the main drag of campus either. So, um, we'll post pictures of her apartment condo complex. It was actually it looked really cute. Um, and so, on the night of October twelfth, nineteen eighty four, everything changed. Angie and her two friends went out for a night on the town, and so again. I got to remember, we're in Texas here, so college football is a huge deal. And up here in the Northeast, I mean, I don't really think college football is that big of a deal. I mean, like, we have, obviously, the NFL. We're big Patriots fans. And, like, as my luck would have it, literally, like, the day I got my first Tom Brady jersey, he announced that he was going to the Buccaneers. I was like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? I shit you not. Even after Deflategate? I love him. Don't even... Don't even... And I... I looks like a
1: robot to me.
0: Stop it. He does. No, that's Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that's fair. No, Tom Brady is a beautiful specimen, but also seems like a very nice guy. But anyway, he chose palm trees over blizzards, apparently, and left me. So I'm a little salty, but I'll get over it. But... <laughs>
1: Other than that, Tom I- Brady left the Patriots like three days, maybe even like a week after two of my friend's anniversaries, and her boyfriend posted like a paragraph, oh no, not even, maybe like, love you, happy anniversary on her post, and made like a soliloquy silico- <laughs> to Tom Brady right afterwards like I've loved you so much I'm so sad you're leaving oh honestly my. baller move but probably not gonna keep you out of trouble with the misses.
0: anyway how <laughs> was the story <laughs> oh my so anyway Tom Brady left me I'm over it a little bit so in the south college football is a huge deal so she was out with her friends Anita Kadala, which just sounds like a fantastic name and Russell Buchanan. And Russell had already graduated and was doing really well for himself. I think he went for architecture. Anyway, he was already, like, working in the field. I believe he was going for his master's at this time. And I kind of got the sense that, like, they almost dated but didn't. But she met Ben and was like, you know what, I'm set. And from what I can tell, there was no inappropriate flirting or... Nothing current. Yes, nothing. Yeah. No no flame that was, you know... L- relit or anything like this so that night she had invited russell to go out with her and anita and her boyfriend had planned on going but he had work the next morning like super early and just was not up for a night of bar hopping so he said have fun but i'm not gonna be joining you guys so understood go have a grand old time and so they kind of bar hopped a little bit throughout the night and ended up in what was called the real room, which was this upstairs part of this bar. And apparently Angie was being a social butterfly. So Russell and Anita, and I don't really get the sense that they were super close friends, but I mean, it worked out for that night. They were just sort of hanging out. They had a couple of drinks. They danced a little bit, had fun, but Angie was sort of like off on her own and she was socializing and seeing other people kind of making her rounds in the room just talking to yeah as you do you mingle yes and so because of that russell and anita who were the two out with her that night didn't really know who she talked to or if anything inappropriate had gone on i mean she didn't say anything after the fact but you just don't know if someone made little comments or things like that so they weren't exactly being super observant because obviously hindsight's 2020, and they didn't know that their lives are about to change forever and that by the next morning Angie was going to be dead so no one really paid super close attention to what may or may not have been going on with that so they hang out at this club and after 1am she decides to leave and she drops her friends off so she drops off Um, I believe the Anita first and then Russell. And then it was really sweet. She stopped on her way home to go say hi to her boyfriend, just to like give him a little kiss goodnight. I don't think he lived very far, but she was just sort of in the area, just like swung by. And she goes up to his room or his door. And, you know, I think they just kind of stood in the doorway. I don't even think she went in. She didn't really spend time. And not that this was written anywhere, but I just sort of like picture it like a movie. Like they kiss and then say goodbye and then she like turns to go down the hallway and like just before she like leaves view she kind of looks over at him one more time like I just picture some like dramatic you know Uh, last time seeing each other yeah without knowing that that's the case so um after that she leaves and Ben did not know that this was the last time that he was ever going to see his girlfriend so Uh. now that it's after midnight you know it's 1 a.m now we're on October 13th and he gets a call around 1.45 a.m. and she calls him in a panic and she's asking him to please just talk to her. That's what she's saying. Ugh. And her call woke him up. So I'm sure that he probably didn't even hear her. For the first 30 minutes that I'm awake, I'm not going to retain any information that you tell me. My friend Randall, I we've known
1: each other since we were kids. But my role to him is he is not allowed to speak to me until I've had coffee. And he follows it because he knows like
0: it's not going to end well. That's just it. And I feel like if you get woken up in kind of like a panic, you're just disoriented. So he kind of answers the call and she's being very serious saying, you know, there's someone in here. There's someone in the apartment and I just need you to talk to me. And he could tell in her voice, even though he's half awake, groggy and, you know, was not expecting to be woken up by this call that he could tell something was wrong. So he's kind of keeps like talking to her and he's like, well, what's going on? And then she tells him, I got to go, but I'm going to call you right back. And, you know, apparently she said like this guy was in here to use the restroom, something like that. And she just kind of like called him because I think she must have just gotten this uncomfortable feeling in her stomach that like she knew yeah whoever this guy was, was up to no good. So she says, I'm going to call you right back. Well, he waits, and she doesn't call right back. So now he's getting nervous, so he calls her. Right. And she doesn't answer, and he calls again, and she doesn't answer. So after that, Ben is not going back to sleep. I wouldn't either. That was unsettling to him. I think he just had a feeling something was up, and he just jumped in his car, and he went over to her place. And while he's driving, he's calling her, and... If you're anything like I was when I first read that, I was like, "What? Do you, it's, the ni- it's 1984. How is he calling her? But because of his construction job, he actually had one of those like big ass car phones. In oh, his, hell yeah. In his truck. So he was calling her as he's driving over and she's not answering. So he gets there and he's knocking on the door and he's trying to talk to her through the door, but there's no answer. Oh. And he is in full blown panic. He can't get in to check on her. He doesn't have a key to her place. And so he calls the police. And it's really lucky that he had his phone that he was able to do that. But he's really worried because he knows that she's in there. Yeah. And he knows that she's not asleep. So what's going on? So the police arrive right away. And apparently they like coordinated with the landlord to come and unlock the door, which I just thought was weird. I thought at that point they just kind of boot it down, but they didn't really have a reason to at this point. And the police enter Angie's home. And what they saw would haunt the responding officers forever. They find Angie's lifeless body on her bed. She's naked. She's covered in blood. And her eyes are like frozen open. And she had been viciously raped. She had been stabbed repeatedly. And one of the patrol officers was quoted as saying that she had so many stab wounds that she looked like she'd almost been butchered. Oh. And I think I read somewhere that one of the stab wounds literally entered and exited, like, her torso. Like, it went all the way through. I struggle, like, cutting an apple. Same. I can't imagine like the rage or the strength that that took to do that and how sharp that, it's just the whole thing turned your stomach. The fact that they, it literally looked like she had been like butchered and this happened in a matter of minutes. So another one of the officers was quoted as saying that it appeared to her like her heart was lying on top of her chest. She had been stabbed so many times that she had such a, basically a hole in her chest that her heart literally sat on top of it. She had been stabbed a total of 18 times. At this point, the police were investigating the scene and following all the leads that they could. And from what they could tell at the scene, there was no force entry. The door hadn't been broken in. There were no broken windows, nothing to be alarmed of. So they figured Angie had known them or she had let them in. And this made sense because Angie had told Ben over the phone that she had let the man in her home to use the bathroom and the phone. So, I mean, obviously it kind of points to this guy. They also found her blood in and around the drain of the bathtub and the sink, which told investigators that whoever the killer was had tried to clean up before he left. Whether that was to try to get rid of evidence or just really clean himself off and then get the hell out of there. But the most important clue was actually from the semen found in Angie's body, which is super morbid and upsetting, but it matters later, and we'll talk about it. She had also had DNA under her fingernails, which meant that she fought like hell. She tried. And it was determined through the DNA testing that they did at this time in the 80s that the killer was a non-secretor and i was like what in the hell so from what i can figure out because i'm not a medical professional um, (laughs) a non-secreter is a person whose saliva and other secretions do not contain blood group antigens this was like from the dictionary okay interesting but in english (laughs) what i found that that to mean was that it essentially just meant that it really narrowed the pool of suspects because most people are secretors yeah so a non-secreter was more rare And it basically is just a gene that prevents their body from secreting their blood type in their secretion. So normally you'd be able to tell someone's blood type. Um, And when they do DNA tests on this and they compare the DNA, if they're testing it against somebody, then someone who is a secretor can be ruled out. Okay, that makes sense. So it's not much of a lead, but it's something to cross-reference. So naturally investigators began interviewing and testing all of the men in angie's life the obvious person to start with was ben the boyfriend and he was the one that was already on the scene when the police got there but a quick dna test ruled him out and investigators moved on to sort of the next batch of people that were close to her and at this time they were interviewing a lot of people that were close with angie not just the men that they were concerned could have been the offender they were interviewing a lot of her friends, one of them being the former roommate, Sheila Waisaki, And Sheila. Um, yes, and Sheila is a major player in this later. So they asked her if anyone had been inappropriate with Angie that she knew of. And Sheila didn't really think so. She said that she had suspicions about Russell just because she didn't really know him that well. He was older. What's he doing hanging out with her? Just yeah. kind of small things. And she said that Russell had had feelings for Angie in the past. um, And that was true. Russell didn't try to hide that. But there was no flame between the two. There was no romantic energy or, you know, there was no relationship budding in that. And she said that she started, Sheila said that Angie started just becoming more just friends with Russell and inviting him out. And she kind of figured that, oh, well, Russell must be jealous because she's spending time with him, but she won't date him. And she's still got this other boyfriend, but he's not really around that much. Or at least Russell's not seeing him. So she just kind of decides in her own head that Russell's the killer. Sheila's like, I know you killed my best friend going to get to the bottom of this sheila was so traumatized by this she wasn't her roommate at the time obviously angie lived alone and it's a really good thing that she wasn't there because who knows what could have happened to her too but angie never went or excuse me sheila never went back to school after angie was killed like, she was terrified like she was attached at the hip to her family like she wouldn't oh. be away from her mom like and she was you know an adult she was in her 20s and this permanently scarred her what happened to her friend and that anger or er, in that fear turned more to anger because she felt like the killer was right there and no one was doing anything about it. She was convinced that Russell was the one who killed her and people are just not doing their jobs. So she was very, very upset.
1: Well and not to put too too personal a note on it, but I mean Even when I was in high school, I had a friend who unexpectedly passed and I was kind of the same way. I was like attached to her mom at the hip for a hot minute. And it is so interesting what that connection will do to you while you're grieving and mourning and all of the good things that come along with it. But also I think some of the bad too, you really get fixated and I could totally see how you'd be like, hey, why is nobody looking at this guy? It's weird, right? And it can be weird. It doesn't make him a killer. But,
0: you know, I don't blame her for pointing it out. Well, and that's just it. And so she went as far as to try to trick him into not necessarily trick him into like admitting something he didn't do, but tried to become friendly enough with him so that if he were to open up or trust anyone, that it would be her.
1: Right. And Keep that, your enemies closer.
0: Yes. And so she invited him out to dinner. I mean, like she was spending time with him, someone she thought murdered her friend. So she's terrified going on these dinners with him. And he's repeating back the same story that he had told the police every single time he was interviewed. Which is pretty courageous. Yes. But she was hell-bent. She was sure that Russell did it. So what kind of added fuel to the fire here was that when Russell's DNA was tested, he was a non-secreter. Got it. So she was like, you literally have your fucking evidence... What more do you need? Arrest the guy. And the police had to say, we don't. Right. That's not enough. So he had submitted to a polygraph test, and they originally determined that he had passed. But then later, when they looked at it again, they said, oh, well, his results said that he was being deceptive. And if we know anything about polygraph tests, is that we don't know anything about polygraph tests. (laughs) Literally. They're not reliable they're not admissible in court they might be a good tool in some ways we should do an episode on that someday
1: we absolutely should and just you know i did just do a quick look up again this is a wikipedia but it says about 20 percent of people are non-secretors so i originally was thinking that had to be super rare to find two people it's more likely than i thought
0: yes It ruled out the general, you know, the majority of people. So it's a good place to start, but it doesn't mean that it's one in you know, three million and you've got to, you know, you've got the guy if you've got this. So, but at that time, I don't know what they knew. You know, we're looking at this through the 2022 lens. I don't know what Jesus 40 years ago would have made that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And he was still a top suspect, but they didn't have anything concrete to arrest him on. And- Feeling like they didn't have what they needed, the investigators had to just suspend the investigation. It went cold. They didn't have more information. Things went on. You know, life moved on. Other crimes that they felt they could solve came up and they had to move on. It was not a smart idea. It wasn't effective or efficient to keep allocating resources into something that honestly, they didn't have the DNA technology at the time yet that it could have made a difference.
1: Well, and that's the other
0: part of this.
1: Sometimes technology has to catch up to life. Sometimes life has to catch up to technology. But no matter what, something I think we see a lot in true crime cases is backlash for law enforcement when they need to redirect and reallocate resources and time and energy away from suspects, even ones that are... You know, like Sheila thought, pretty obvious as a potential candidate for who did this crime. But again, all we have is what we have. And you can only do so much with that. So
0: and in our justice system, we pride ourselves on you have rights. You are innocent until proven guilty. It isn't the other way around. And other than Russell being a non-secreter and having been with her that night. There wasn't anything that said, oh, he this puts him in her place at this time. Right. By all accounts, he'd already been dropped off. He was home.
1: Well, and if a fifth of the population is a non secretor and she was at a party, I bet you she was with other ones that night, too.
0: And that's just it. Yeah. So at this point, they had to suspend her case and it was cold for 20 years. Oh, my gosh. As long as she had been alive, she had been dead by Poor this point. Poor Sheila. And... Sheila's now 40.
1: She must be ripping her hair out.
0: And still traumatized because her best friend's still dead, the killer's still out there. She feels like law enforcement isn't doing enough and she's told them so. In fact, she's borderline harassing them to the point where they're <laughs> not they're not answering her. Queen. Because they have more information than she does they know what they can and can't pursue they can't share that with her she doesn't get why and she's just badgering them yep so sheila is feeling like investigators gave up on her best friend and after being called for several interviews and interrogations and being unable to move on with his life due to it russell obtained a lawyer. And Sheila's like, aha, he got a lawyer, so that means he's guilty. And for a lot of people, they would agree with that. Oh, you lawyered up, you're guilty. However, you have rights.
1: You could also just be savvy. Lawyers go to school to learn how to navigate the law. You didn't. Well, you know, with an asterisk, unless you did. But most people didn't.
0: And that's just it. And the thing is, is because of Sheila's constant accusations I mean publicly she wasn't quiet about this either at this point it kind of made it really difficult for him to move on with his life you know if you believe that he did do it then you think that it should have been a whole hell of a lot harder if you believe that he didn't this poor guy this innocent guy is being like harassed and everyone's kind of doing a double take at him you know once accused always guilty kind of thing yeah if people think that you violently and brutally assaulted and murdered your friend in her room because you had feelings for her and maybe she didn't reciprocate that there's no moving on from that hell no so he gets a lawyer and again sheila's like this is it he's the one and i read this article and i'm going to give all the sources at the end but um i read this long article about sheila and her takeaways from a lot of this and she said that one night in her room she looked over and she said that she saw angie sitting at the foot of her bed this is her recount she said that angie didn't say anything but clear as day she saw her and she just took that as a sign or as a message from her that she needed to do more than just make phone calls and she said that that experience was one that moved her and sort of changed the trajectory of her life Because she was so hell-bent on getting to the bottom of this that she became a licensed private investigator. Wow. So the the year is now 2004. It has been a long time. It's been, what, 20 years exactly that Angie's been dead. And she's married. She's got two boys. They're... Sheila? Sheila. Okay. Married, two boys. They're teens now. And she's literally sitting at the dinner table having her son test her on the state laws that she needs to know to pass her exam that's so cute because she's just decided that this is what she's doing she's like if no one else is gonna do it i'm gonna try my hand at it and see what i can do and she hounded the police for years to reopen the case and to her surprise at this point it worked they reopened the case hey and they had assigned a female detective her name was linda crumb to the case and this detective took it seriously and for the first time in a long time sheila had felt like someone was finally putting in the energy and the effort that angie deserved to be put into her case and at this time dna technology had the 20 years that had passed to develop and it did And so the samples that were retrieved that night in 1984 came to light again. And there was a lot of discrepancies and, oh, well, we lost the evidence in this flood in Texas. And so we don't have that anymore. And then it was, oh, well, it was uh, when it was gathered, it was not done properly. The protocols we have today weren't followed then because they didn't exist. There was a lot of things. And so Sheila was kind of under the impression that there really was no evidence anymore. And then this detective is like, oh, there is. And we're going to send it to be tested. Queen. But if you know anything about DNA testing in, in the United States, really, I'm sure ever, the labs are backed up. Oh, my gosh.
1: Incredibly so. But also, what a good place to just make a quick note to make sure if you're in law enforcement... That you are keeping your rape kits backlogged to make sure that you're doing these things right. And to do even the things that you think are pointless because of where technology is at today to the best of your capabilities. Because you don't know what in 20 years you'll be able to retrieve.
0: And that's just it. And, you know, at the time, I think they kind of saved all of those things. Like hoping, praying, maybe someday it would. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it would yield some kind of result. But they couldn't possibly know what we know today absolutely so in 2008 the evidence was sent for testing and it took until 2009 for the results to be back Shit. which i mean it wasn't necessarily a super pressing case because it was cold so i'm sure it didn't make it to the top of you know the priority list in terms of the lab testing schedule so, Sheila gets a call from the detective stating that they had a match on the DNA. And Sheila was, like, just about ready to go to Russell's house and arrest him herself. She's like, fucking knew it. We got the guy, you know. And the detective named the killer. It wasn't Russell Buchanan. The results yielded the name Donald Bess, which was a name. Humst? Yes, exactly. Whomst is that? Sheila thought the same thing. She didn't know this guy. And back in 1984, he had just, get this, just fucking been released on parole. What? For an aggravated sexual assault case. Just been released. And a few years after that, he was back in custody in prison, serving a life sentence for a sexual assault case.
1: How many times do we need to see that they... They, being people who have intense sexual assault history with women, are going to be great prisoners if they're with all men.
0: Seriously. and They don't have a problem with men. And so he had been out in just enough time to spot Angie, find her beautiful, as everyone did, follow her home, ask to use her phone, anticipated her kindness and, you know friendliness to allow him to do so gained access into her home because she invited him in and then brutally assaulted and raped her and Mm. literally butchered her sweet baby angel and at this time in 2009 again he was already serving a life sentence so it's not like he had been having this life of freedom you know on the outside and oh, they'll never catch me but he was free from the charges of her murder and so they tried him and on june 18th 2010 so think of how long this has been 2010 donald best was found guilty of the murder of angela samata and was sentenced to death by lethal injection as of today he's still on death row i mean it's honestly the death row timeline is so long and you're guaranteed so many appeals that a lot of people die on death row awaiting <laughs> their death, yeah. you know? um, So that's, that's where he is now. And as for Sheila, she was obviously there every day at the trial. And I believe Russell was too. And she sort of figured that once Donald Bess was found guilty. She would retire her private investigating license. Cause you do have to renew that and stuff like that. She's well, like, yeah. she's like, it served its purpose. I need to move on with my life. And then she said, she got this outpouring of people asking for her help saying like, no one paid attention to my family members case, the way that you've paid attention to your friends. Can you help us? Uh. And she's not a police officer and she doesn't have that much sway. I mean, I mean, She's a private investigator. She can investigate and she can submit that information to the appropriate authorities, but she's not making that arrest and right. you know, necessarily solving that crime. But she was someone that people wanted on their side. And at first, she's kind of like, I'm not doing that. But she got so many letters and so many messages that she was like, I think this is my calling. I need to do this. Oh. So that's what she did. She began helping people. And after seeing Russell... In the trial, you know, also just sitting there observing what happened. You know, watching the murderer of his friend, too, finally be put away. She apologized to him. Good. She was like, I'm so sorry that I for decades accused you of the most horrific thing imaginable. And I fully believed it. Like yeah. there was, there was no doubt in my mind that you did it. And he thanked her because he said, if you weren't as hell bent as you were to get to the truth, I would always be under suspicion. I would always be the guy that people thought killed her. And I just got away with it Right. because they didn't have who actually did it. And he, at this time he had moved away. He had got on, he'd have kids. He had a family. He was, he had moved, I mean, 20 years, you know what I mean? 20 he had, years is a long He'd time. had a life, but Sheila had held on to that for so long. And so now where he's thinking, you know, I can finally move on. You know, she's, Sheila's like, I can move on too. But she didn't really think of it that Russell was kind of that same way. He was grateful to her that, right? you know, probably could have done without the slander. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> but... They visited Angie's grave together and they paid their respects. Stop, I'm going to cry. Today, they are friends. So it was a long time in the making, but they got justice for Angie. And they know now that that asshole can't hurt anybody else anymore. Russell's, you know, reputation is free from that. And Sheila can go on to help other people. As awful as the situation that kind of brought this all on was, I think it turned into something impactful. Yeah,
1: I think this story gives me a few feelings. The first is as a woman working in a field that is primarily male dominant, the way that Angie would have been if she went into IT, I am so grateful for all the women that have opened the doors and shattered those glass ceilings for us to get where we are. Though I also don't really believe that that fight is over yet, but we've come so long and it is because of people like Angie and that gives me just a sense of overwhelming gratitude for the time I was born in and the place I was born, that I was free to pursue my interests as dark and twisty and morbid as they are and it also is just... Reminding me that, you know, when you have a passion and a fire lit under your ass, you will get shit done. Whether it takes 20 minutes or 20 years.
0: And that's exactly it. And Sheila's determination, though she was wrong for a lot of it. Yeah. She didn't stop trying. And she's the reason they reopened the case. The other part of that, too, is...
1: For me, looking at crimes like this and cases like this, the players involved, be that law enforcement, judges, attorneys, friends, witnesses, whatever, I will never be upset to hear that someone was initially wrong on their suspicion or their premonition of what happened, but it is all in the way that you react to learning that news. And for her, she needed that concrete evidence, which I get. I'm the same way. I probably wouldn't stop until I had proof like statistical anal- analyzed proof that I was right or wrong before I'd move on. But she made that happen. And once she realized she took it upon herself to apologize and to take that and run with it in a positive way and not self-destruct, not spiral, not say that their lab was wrong because she was hung up on it. She took it in stride and she went with it. And that I respect so much.
0: Absolutely. And to think that if Sheila had gotten her way 15 years before that. Yeah. An innocent man would be likely on death row or at least, you know, life without parole for a crime he didn't commit. Right. Because emotions got so high. And lastly,
1: it makes me just really happy for friendship. I think friends are like the cutest, purest relationship you can have with someone because there's no connection other than just liking your time with them. Like you're not getting anything out of them. You're not and not in a transactional materialistic way. Just, you know, there's no romance. It's not like a parental bond. It's not a networking opportunity that you can use to advance. You just like being around them.
0: Exactly. It's like the family you are born with and then the family you choose. And sometimes those are the same people and a lot of times they're not.
1: Right. And just the impact that two years of living with someone can have on the next 20 years of their life. It's just really sweet. And it makes me.
0: I don't know. Really?
1: I don't know. The takeaway for this episode for me is definitely gratitude for where I'm at.
0: Absolutely. And friendships along the way and break those glass ceilings ladies you guys
1: (laughs) uh, we're into workforce now can we work on working conditions (laughs) (laughs) we did step one let's get to step two
0: (laughs) but I think that it's just so as awful as the crime that happened was and it was brutal it was horrific heinous but the fact that Sheila didn't give up just spoke to like i don't know it's just another woman take you know taking on a field in a profession that was probably told to her that you can't do it yeah good fucking luck you know and that was just kind of neat to see and also that the the detective that reopened the case and worked on yes. it and ultimately solved it was a female officer too it was just sort of that camaraderie of like taking care of their own and that Angie was a 20 year old beautiful you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed college student I was her in I that was way. yeah
1: and when I first thought of this immediately I thought of how many times I mean you know I'm not quiet about it I have anxiety I think all the time about ways that I'm like oof am I gonna get murdered today or like oh my gosh my college boyfriend who I dated for like two years Every time I'd go and see a horror film on the way back, I'd be like, if you're going to kill me, can you just do it? Oh, my God. And he was like, what in the hell? And I was like, I don't think you're gonna. But like, if you're gonna, can we just not do like the long game with it?
0: Like, <laughs> He's like, you're really taking the fun out of this for me. Abby. He was like,
1: I just wanted to watch Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, I think about that all the time and how... Awful it is that women specifically, though I'm sure there are areas too where there are some men that feel this way, but I've never not looked over my shoulder outside. I've never not known who's around. I've never had to sit and wonder if somebody thinks I'm creepy because I'm the one wondering which creepy person I need to be afraid of.
0: I also connected with Angie, who I think just tried to call someone thinking that if she was on the phone it, it might okay it might save her right we've all made that call when we're walking to our oh car leaving gosh. the mall or something like that it's kind of dark out even if you're pretending to leave a voicemail or something like that yeah there's a sense of security you feel that if someone thinks you're not entirely alone even if it's just electronic that it's a little bit of a shield it might cause them to think twice and in this case for whatever reason, she said, oh, I'll call you right back. Maybe she thought she was safe. Maybe he was like walking out the door. Or maybe she heard footsteps and she freaked out. Or maybe he told her like it's he time. insinuated hang up the phone, you know, and she said, I'll call you right back. He waited. No call back. I mean, he floored it over there
1: as he should. As and it was the middle, I would
0: in the middle of the night. I'm sure there wasn't traffic. I'm sure he was there in a matter of minutes. The police were there in a matter of minutes after that. And it was enough time for her to be assaulted, murdered, the blood to be washed from his hands, for him to leave the condo as if nothing happened. And, you know, apparently locked the door on his way out because Ben couldn't get inside. Well,
1: and the other thing about this case that I think about a lot, first of all, the phone thing. Always tell someone if you're making that phone call that you will see them soon. My parents know the phone call because I will call them and be like, oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just about five minutes away. I'm just walking to the car. I'll I'll be there like in just a second. Um, So it insinuates I have plans and a timeline that if, you know, somebody wanted to harm me in any way, it would have to fit well within that timeline and five minutes is never enough.
0: That's also it. I remember seeing this like Instagram post and I think it was probably a couple of years ago. And if I ever find it, I will (laughs) like try to link it or something because it was really cool. This girl like had recorded, it sounded like she was kind of like in a party or at a restaurant or something. And she kind of wrote the script on the screen of like how you should respond. And so she would talk and be like, oh, hey, where are you? And then you say like, oh, I'm about you know 15 minutes out. And she was like, oh, well, I'm getting your drink now. What do you want? Like it just sounded like a authentic conversation but it was it had a sense of urgency like we're expecting you you're on your way you're coming how far out are you you know this is it basically a way to sort of try to use that shield and honestly if you feel like you're in danger then obviously you should always contact the police but when you're unsure i that resonated with me i'm pretty sure i saved it and sent it to all my friends at that time i was like hey just so you have it i have
1: one that i found from a tiktok i'll try to get and link but it's a guy who's pretending to be your dad who will do the same thing hey sweetie your mom and i are just watching a movie Mm Mm-hmm. yeah like when you're coming home and i like that one because unfortunately we live in a society that fears men more than women regardless of how realistic that is and um I like that it's establishing a parental figure that would have a like a genuine
0: investment in you being home at that time.
1: Yes, thank you. Totally left my mind. So investment, but also like protective nature. Like if you mess with someone's kids, you're gonna get the worst they can offer. You know,
0: as we saw in the last case that I did.
1: (laughs) Jesus. Yes, and I think that it's a good way to protect yourself there, but ubers more than otherwise because I always still cling to the fact that someone else should know if I can call someone even if I'm leaving a voicemail I actually kind of prefer to leave a voicemail I'll pretend to be having a conversation but um that way it's recorded which I will tell all of my friends like don't worry about picking up if I die you'll hear it on the recording like oh
0: my god it's a
1: joke mostly but I do think a recording wouldn't be a bad idea. Then you have it right there plain as day. What happened? Um, but that all of that to say, doing that does not keep someone from doing something bad if they're hell-bent on it. So I'm not trying to victim blame. I'm not trying to say that it was anybody's fault for not having these opportunities or abilities back then or present day. People are shitty. They just really are. But, you know, everything we can do that can help, I'm telling myself helps so (laughs) but yeah so not to be victim blaming or anything we're just trying to share what we know can help but this case really resonates with me both Allie and I were in college not terribly long ago and every part of this sounds like memories I've had other than the horrific murder and rape which is good but you know it is so possible that it could have been anyone
0: and we always have to wonder oh who is that in the alleyway and who is that you know and I think that's people in general I know that that's not unique to women I know that there's a lot a lot of people feel that all the time but there is just this added layer of being a petite woman when you're alone you feel like there's a target on you
1: yes so
0: that's you know certainly
1: Literally even parking my car today. I went to go try to get Allie and I tea before we were going to record. And I parked the car only to find out the tea place was closed. But as I was doing my little shenanigans trying to parallel park, which God help me if anybody ever sees that, I'm so sorry. But these guys were just like sitting and watching. And I was like, well, shit,
0: okay. You're certainly getting a show. Do you have a free 20 minutes? (laughs) Literally.
1: I was like, do you have 20 bucks? Because pay me. (laughs) (laughs) take a picture it'll last longer I don't know what you want from me but here we go like just trying to get some tea and then the door was locked and I was like I swear if these people say anything to me I'm going to throw fists but I don't want to catch a charge I remember
0: I remember seeing this like comedy bit and I don't remember who it was I'll try to find it but my mom and I were sitting on the couch and I think we like saw it on tv and it was like this guy saying my wife is so weird she watches all those crime shows (laughs) that every time she gets in a cab or an uber or something she like plucks a piece of hair and like hides it in the car so good and my mom and i looked at each other we're like that's such a good idea like we do that and then he goes and then there's also other crazies of you looking at each other saying yeah i do that and i'm (laughs) like this guy fully called me out but it's yes you have to think you know i will try to leave fingerprints places i will try to anywhere that it's not super familiar to me or that there's unfamiliar people around and honestly as we know statistically it doesn't need to be a stranger but no we try to be just a little bit more deliberate well and you guys if anything crazy does start
1: happening i've heard of multiple cases where the victim will plant something somewhere that it could only be if this happened to them Um, I know there was one where a girl literally put her shoe in like under the passenger side seat of the car to be like, that is my shoe. I have the other one. I was in that car and it worked because who's going to look under their passenger side seat, right? Like, I don't, goodness, I'm scared to look under there. It's like hot sauce packets and all, (laughs) but
0: (laughs) That that, that one French fry that fell between.
1: Hot sauce packets, that one French fry that's like old and yucky, and then a bunch of unopened straws.
0: I don't know what's worse, if the French fry is like old and yucky or if it literally looks like the day you got it, but it's eight months later.
1: Both are awful. (laughs) I don't want to know
0: either. (laughs) But
1: thank you for sharing that. That was good. And it's been a while since I've had one that hit home so... So much so that I could have easily
0: been me or anyone I know. She looked like if I had seen her, I would have been I would have been friends with her. Yeah. And by all accounts, she just sounded like a fantastic person. And Donald Bess probably saw how bubbly and kind she was, knew he could take advantage of that. And he did. Men. So and women,
1: women suck too sometimes. But right now I'm just mad at Donald so, men.
0: So, he is rotting his little ass away on death row. And all I can hope is that it's fucking horrible. I
1: hope that he dies on death row and doesn't actually get the death penalty because it means he'll never have his last meal.
0: Okay, that's true, though.
1: Um, if you had a last meal, what would be in it?
0: If I had a last meal... Mm-hmm. um. Oh God, how many carbs could I fit into one <laughs> meal? You kind of ruined mashed potatoes for me in that Sorry. last episode. That it was you- a baked
1: potato. Mashed potatoes are fine.
0: Oh, I fucking love a baked potato too. Fuck. Whoa. What do you
1: want from me? I'm trying to give you back something you love.
0: Well, you know, I don't know. I would probably be, all right, if we're being totally fucking honest here, I'm having a fat chicken parm.
1: Ooh, yeah. And I
0: mean like that like hand mashed, that mm-hmm. thin, real hand breaded chicken parm with like I make it. You actually make a mean chicken parm. Thanks. Speaking of that, if you could do that soon. You got it. Would be lovely. But um with like penne. Yes. That's the best. And then I I would I would have a baked potato. Yeah. That's it. the way you should do it. Yeah.
1: I think for me um it would definitely be like half of Taco Bell and then I would want some like weird vegetarian vegan shit. Like, oh, okay. So there used to be this like weird recipe. I would call it dessert. Like it's a dessert food, but it's not like dessert. It's this weird toffee that is chocolate and toffee and nuts and a bunch of different things sprinkled on it. But it's entirely vegan.
0: So good. What I'm hearing from you is that if you had an hour to live... Eating that takes 20 minutes and you'd spend the remaining 40 shitting your brains out.
1: No. It doesn't hit me that fast.
0: Oh my God. And I don't eat
1: the meat at Taco Bell. I just get the beans. So that helps. I have not had an unfortunate Taco Bell experience since probably middle school.
0: The fact that you can recall that, like that's etched in your brain... Oh, yeah. That scarred you? Because I'm...
1: Listen, I can't make any legal claims here, but I am not convinced that any Taco Bell isn't also doubling as a laundry... a money laundering machine or a um meth lab.
0: Well, they're always like half of KFC too, right? Yes, but they're so good. And no, also, if you get the
1: little chicken chipotle melt and if it's with a KFC, you can get like a little side of mashed potatoes. It sounds so gross, but if you dip it in there... Shout out to my old coworker for that tip.
0: Your last meal sounds horrible.
1: My last meal sounds fucking delightful.
0: And I would have a Baja
1: blast freeze. Oh, and a, and a coffee, a Starbucks coffee.
0: A brain freeze too. On top of that, you hate yourself.
1: I do, but then I'd, I'd die. I wouldn't have to deal with it for that long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, on that note, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And let us know what would your last meal be? Yeah, and you know what?
1: You could send us that with any questions, comments, concerns, or hometown stories that you wanted to share, as well as photos of your pet, okay? We keep asking. Just do it.
0: Seriously, it's not that hard. You have a whole folder of them on your phone. We see you.
1: So, Allie, where would they send that entire folder of photos?
0: Well, I would hope that they'd send it to our Gmail. Oh, shit. What's that? And our Gmail is about time the number four, tc, at Gmail. So, again... That's about, A-B-O-U-T, T-I-M-E, the number four, T-C at Gmail. And if they wanted to follow us on Instagram, Abby, where would they go?
1: They would go on Instagram and type up in that cute little search button about time for true crime pod, but there would be a period in between every word. So it would be about period, time, period, for, period, true, period, crime, period, pod. And before you ask, it's four F-O-R, not the number. So that would be A-B-O-U-T, period, T-I-M-E, period, F-O-R, period, T-R-U-E, period, C-R-I-M-E,
0: period, P-O-D.
1: Podcast was too long.
0: I think we should race to see who could say it faster sometime. I think I'm going to beat my previous time. A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E. <laughs> All right, A bumbling you guys- bend of baboons. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I got to go practice how fast I can say that. So I got to hit it. But um, I'm so glad you joined us for this. Thank you, Allie
0: thank you guys for sticking it out i know that was a rough one and check out the instagram page because we'll have some photos from this the cases this week i love it so we'll see you guys next time yes that was about, about time, time for, for true, true crime. crime later bye, bye.